gospel on this October the 5th in the year of our Lord, 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and today the hymn we're going to be taking a look at is Thee Will I Love, My Strength, My Tower. So let's listen to it. Those were the first two verses of Thee Will I Love, My Strength, My Tower. And it is written by Johann Scheffler. He lived from 1624 to 1677. In fact, he began writing poetry during his teens. In the wonderful hymn here, he gives thanks that even though he searched but did not find God, God nevertheless found him. And our favorite translator, Catherine Winkworth, she translated these hymns, and the text deals with the soul's clinging for love for the Savior. This thought is expressed in Psalm 18, verse 1. I love you, O Lord, my strength. And Scheffler's title to the hymn states, The soul promises to love him until death. This is reflected at the conclusion of stanza one, Thee will I love, O light divine, so long as life is mine. So, I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is Pastor Mark Smith. What's your thinking on this hymn? Oh, it's a great, it's a great hymn. <clears throat> Very familiar to me. <clears throat> and uh, it's interesting that uh, that the writer wrote it, he uh, started writing poetry in his teens. Yes. Boy, that must have been, <laughs> I mean, can you imagine the, the teens today working on uh, poetry that would lead to hymn writers? That's, uh, that's really something. Must have been a, uh, a, 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 a I don't know, a non-threatening age for, for teens at that time. Well, I said that in my sermon, actually, this past week, that parents ought to read Bible stories to their kids and then try and help the kids write a poem about what they had just heard so that they end up maybe making a hymn out of it. And I was looking at uh, Mozart and his life. He was, when he was 
two, three years old, was already playing the piano. Oh, yeah. He, he was, really had a gift. He was a child prodigy. He sure was. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it's, it's amazing when you, when you read about these music, musicians like that at such an early age. You know, another thing, I, I, another thing great for kids, of course, that I've learned over the years with confirmation is, uh, is get them, when you assign memory, uh, don't forget to have them memorize some of the favorite verses of the hymns. Uh, yes, I had a pastor friend who on Saturday morning would go on walks, and they lived in a rural area, and he would take his kids with him and teach them hymns as they were walking Saturday morning. Yeah, you so, you know you get those kids to to lock those precious verses in their hearts, and they've got something they've got something to recall. You know, uh, anything you can uh, get those kids to memorize like that is is uh, can be really precious when. Uh, when they need it. Well, I know at your church you have uh, children in a Sunday school. Uh, do they ever sing as a choir? Not, not lately. You know, the, uh, the COVID really kind of sapped our uh, Sunday school That's program. True. We're, we're getting it started again, but it's, uh, it's, it's slow going. We do have, we have two confirmands. And uh, what we do is we, we uh, teach the confirmands along with uh, any interested lay people that want to join in as we review the, the catechism. That's good. That's good. Yeah. All right. Stanza one of Thee Will I Love My Strength, My Tower, please. Thee will I love, my strength, my tower. Thee will I love, my hope, my joy. Thee will I love with all my power. With ardor, time shall ne'er destroy. Thee will I love, O light divine, so long as life is mine. All right. You know what I'm going to ask you? What, what does, does ardor, ardor mean? mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I anticipated that question. I would say devotion. That's good. That's good. Devotion. Your devotion to the Lord will never be destroyed. That's uh, right. No longer how much time you have. And a little background of uh, Scheffler is that he regretted that he did not become a Christian until later in life. No and kidding. so when he did, he really wrote a hymn like this that shows how important that was to him. Wow. Better late than never. But I wonder how old he was when he finally uh, professed Christ. Um, any idea? No. Well, uh, at any rate, he certainly did appreciate his faith uh, and his Savior when uh, when he came to the faith. Boy, that's uh, that's always good news. Whenever you you know when you when you hear about an adult coming to faith like that, that's uh, it's it's kind of special. Yes, the idea that he will love the light divine so long as life is mine. Now, what would he be talking about in regard to what life is he speaking of? He's talking about his, his earthly life. Yes, well said, because after his earthly life, his life continues in Christ. That's right. No doubt about it. And so, and so does his love for the Savior, even, even throughout eternity. Yes. All right, I'll do two. Thee will I love my life, my Savior who art my best and truest friend. Thee will I love and praise forever, for never shall thy kindness end. Thee will I love with all my heart, thou my Redeemer art. 
Now, you know, a lot of times people will be asked, who is your best friend? And uh, oftentimes a husband will answer, well, my wife is, or a wife will say my husband is. Um, But here, I remember, was it President Bush, uh, the younger one who was asked once uh, who he looked up to more than anyone, and he mentioned Jesus Christ. And he was criticized for that. Really? Yeah, well, I remember. I remember religion. his father. His father was a, you know, an ardent Christian, and uh, yeah, yeah. I know his father talked about. You know, people asked him what he wanted to do with his life after, after the presidency, and he says, "Well, you know, I look forward to heaven. I look forward to seeing my little, little daughter. They had a little daughter, I think, that died in infancy." And, uh, yes. Yeah, that was. Yeah, quite the presence we had there for sure, yeah. and. My best and truest friend. That'd be a good question to begin. If you would consider who is your truest friend, who would that be? And I wonder how many people would say Jesus. Yeah, he really is. When you consider all he's done for you and all he continues to do for you, and and that he's that he that he and his holy angels are watching for you twenty four seven, and uh, and to look at all he's done to go to the cross for you and. Uh, suffer suffer the hell, pangs of hell on the cross. I mean, you know, how can you compare his friendship to anyone else? Right. Especially with that line, for never shall thy kindness end. Right. Now, that's something we have to take by faith, because sometimes it appears that Jesus isn't being very kind to us, but he has a reason for whatever he permits, and it is always working out for our good. Yes. All right, stanza three, please. I thank thee, Jesus, Son from heaven, whose radiance hath brought light to me. I thank thee who hast richly given all that could make me glad and free. I thank thee that my soul is healed by what thy lips revealed. Now, when you say that, I wonder what people imagine you meant by I thank thee, Jesus, son from heaven. I bet you they think of Jesus as the son of God, but what does the text say? Yeah, it's interesting. I just was look. I just noticed that, that it's spelled like uh, the sun in the sky. Yes. But uh, he's our son of righteousness. Uh, you know, it's told, told in the Old Testament, your son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Well, and look at the very next line. Jesus. Yeah. Look at the next whose, line. Whose radiance hath brought light to me. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Yeah. And so that's what Johann, therefore, really believes. And what does he do? The life of sanctification is one of thanksgiving. So what's the next line? I thank thee who hast richly given all that could make me glad and free. Yes. We're not always glad and free, but in Christ we can be definitely free. And when we believe his promises and recognize his promises, we can be glad. We can even be glad at the funeral of a loved one. How so? Well, we know that 
we know that uh, he's he or she is with our Lord Jesus in in, uh, in paradise, and that we will see them again. Uh, you know, I I happen to when you talked about uh, freedom, being free. I, yes. I happen to be looking ahead at the uh, Reformation lessons uh, weeks in advance, and uh, the, one of the lessons speak, says, "If the Son hath made you free, you shall be free indeed." I mean, our yes. freedom—we we may be enslaved uh, here on this earth in shackles, but that doesn't change the fact that we are—we are really, truly free in Jesus Christ. Yeah, on on Monday, uh, I was taking a look at the Mark 10 passage about the rich man who asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And they don't complete that conversation with the rich man until next week. Until the next week, yes. And I'm not sure why they do that. I don't know either. It's awkward because I wanted to I wanted to handle the whole conversation and that's my plan in my sermon this week. That whole conversation with the with you know with the rich young ruler and uh, and then they split it up. I can't understand that, but uh yeah, it's kind of a kind of a funny thing. Yes. And I always am telling on on our radio program that we make a distinction between biblical theology and everyday theology. And the way that you can figure out everyday theology is by means of the questions that you are being asked. Everyday theology is false theology from the old Adam. So what is there in the question that shows Jesus that this man has false teaching? Well, he says says to him, uh, what must I do to inherit exactly. eternal life? It's a little funny because he, he does say inherit. I, I well, think he's got a wrong idea of, well, it's like people, people even today, when they, they, lose, they use that word loosely, inherit. And really, when you inherit something, it's a, pure, it's a gift. But this, young, this rich young ruler does not understand it as a gift. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, that tells you that he, he doesn't understand that eternal life is uh, forgiveness, life, salvation. That's it's a purely free gift in Jesus Christ. By grace. By grace and, through faith. Yes, rather than by justice. Yeah, or by earning it. Yes, in fact, properly at the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus talks about them inheriting. And so it's not on the basis of their works. Their works is just the evidence that they're believers. But when you're living under the law, what's the word used instead of inherit? Sounds sounds just like it's almost a rhyme. Oh, merit. Merit. Yes. Yes. That's a point you got to bring in that he thinks he can merit eternal life yeah it's not even merit. though that's a title that's a title of the sermon not merit but inherit excellent yeah that's excellent because he gets the word inherit from the old testament but you made a very good point that he misses it and jesus shows he misses it because after he tells him well you need to obey the commandments what does the young man say 
He says, all of these things I've done from my youth. I've, I've done all that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. And you would think that Jesus looking at him would really be angry with him, but instead, when he looks at him, he, he loves him. him. Yes. That is really great. You know, that that is a, that is a great detail that, uh, you know, he like like you were saying, I think you were saying yesterday, God so loved the world. I mean, he loves he loves even those that don't have a clue about salvation or, or uh, they think that they've got to earn it themselves or or they don't or they laugh at it. They laugh at the prospect. I don't need your savior. I don't need your salvation. He still loves them. Yes. Well said. In fact, I begin adult instruction with a few of passages that show law and gospel, and this is one of my main ones, because it clearly shows that the man is living under the law. So, getting back to the hymn 694, let me read stanza four. Oh, keep me watchful then and humble. Permit me never more to stray. Uphold me when my feet would stumble and keep me on the narrow way. Fill all my nature with thy light, O radiant, strong, and bright. Excuse you know, me. Tom, these, it tells you how familiar a hymn this is. When I look at these verses and you ask me to read it, like when you asked me to read the first verse, I was tempted to just sing it. It's, it's that familiar to me, and that 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 really shows the familiarity and love for him when you're when you're inclined to sing it rather than say it. Yes, um, we won't have you sing Isaiah, mighty seer of old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or unless or, you have uh, What's that one great verse? Um, oh, I can't think of it now. Isn't that a shame? Yeah, but the, yeah. Yes. There's there's some. Uh, there's some- well, there's a number of hymns, and yeah. uh, yesterday, um, well, I should say Sunday, at church, we're also involved with the university. In fact, we have a 11 o'clock service for the university in their own building, uh-huh. and it just so happened that those who had graduated were invited to come back. We had a little meal for them and this sort of thing. Oh, well, that's and great. So, yeah, so it was really good. And to mark the day, uh, we had an individual play uh, an instrument. Uh, I thought it was going to be a trumpet, but it was something else. But it sounded like a trumpet. And uh, boy, did it make a difference. Our organist is very good. And the trumpet and the people were really singing. And it makes your point that when you hear something, you really want to sing it. Yeah. Yeah, we well, sang great. that. That's uh, great that the uh, the university accommodates you so well. That's that's super. Well, we actually have a building, and the university some stay in the building, and then they can come in every Wednesday night. They have a free meal put on by the church, and then there's a Bible study after the meal. So we do have some students who are coming, and it. Uh, uh, I, I remember the one who was playing the instrument. Uh, he used to sit in one of my Bible studies before he graduated, and he had his parents there, etc. So it was a pretty good Sunday with trumpets playing. And I can see you really enjoying that, Tom, uh, teaching those uh, those young people. I bet that's I bet you'd really enjoy doing that. 
Yeah, the uh, I'm not very good with three, four, and five-year-olds because I want to give good insights, and they don't right. know what I'm talking about. Right. <laughs> but uh, once you get up into confirmation age, and especially those at college, it, it makes a real difference. And this church really is eager to uh, create more of the students in coming to the church. That's great. So if you will read stanza five, the last one. Thee will I love my crown of gladness. Thee will I love my God and Lord. Amid the darkest depths of sadness, and not for hope of high reward. For thine own sake, O light divine, so long as life is mine. Now, talk about a law and gospel theme there, that he wants to love the Lord his God, and not for a hope of high reward. Right. He has no ulterior motive. Exactly. Unlike the Pharisees, who were even bragging, boy, I'm sure happy I'm not like that tax collector, because I give a tithe, and I fast, and all they were naming were the ceremonial laws that aren't even in effect anymore. And the moral laws, according to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, they were breaking because they didn't realize you could break them not just by deed, but also by thought and by word. Right. Have and you ever run across... Here, note that he says here, and not for hope of high reward, but for thine own sake, O light divine, so long as life is... In other... For not not for not for reward, but but for, for Jesus Himself. Yes. Once more, this would be a great hymn for your sermon. Not by merit, but by inherit. Yeah. So, but you've already probably chosen your hymns. Uh, yes. <laughs> yep, I figured that. All righty. Uh, did you ever have a member of your congregation? who didn't think that sins of thought were as bad as sins of deed? Oh, I think that's, I think that's pretty typical of, of even most Christians. I think, I think they feel that, you know, if I, if I can just, if I can just keep that thought from, uh, from taking on flesh and, 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 and becoming an outward act, I think most people, and, and, and really, most of us do have those uh, wicked thoughts what, what time or another. I mean, who of us, who of us can, uh, can say that we've never had those, uh, those uh, evil thoughts? I mean, that's the devil, that's the devil. He's, he's uh, you know, it's like Luther said, you, you, can, uh, you can't keep, the, you can't keep the, the dirty birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, I don't the, think it, anyone's capable of keeping those thoughts away. And so I think a lot of people feel if they can just keep it to a thought and not let it take actuality. That, but that, that that's still a sin, isn't it? Well, not only that, in the Sermon on the Mount, it doesn't matter, like murder, if that's you do right. it by thought, deed, or word, it all deserves eternal damnation. In that That's verse. right. There's and if no you distinction. Lust after a woman, just you lust after a woman in your thoughts. That's that's committing adultery, according to our Lord. Yeah. 
Yeah, one of the best commandments I like using to show people that by thought is the covet. Because yeah. a lot of them think that coveting is only a thought. But remember, David coveted Bathsheba. That's right. And that led, of course, to the problems he had and the death of Bathsheba's husband, the death of their first child. Right. And boy, yeah, a lot of things happened. Of that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's think... a really good point to make. I always like to talk about the commandments that it's not because we just disobeyed them that we're in trouble, but the commandments are gifts from God, and we reject those gifts yeah. by our disobedience. Yeah, they're and that means gifts. It's a lack of faith. Yeah, they That's they protect really... they protect precious things in our lives. Exactly. Yeah, whether you're talking about father and mother, or your life, or, or your, your reputation, yes. or your marriage, you just go through each of them, and you see a protection that God gives you. And that's why it's really important to understand that you don't get to heaven by merit. You get to heaven by inherit. So we spent all this time on this hymn, and now we have found out that you're not going to use it. Oh, no, I'm using it. Oh, you are? Oh, yes. It's, uh, it's going to be the, the first one we use. Excellent. Excellent. Because it sure fits in with not by merit but by inherit. Good point. Well, thank you very much. Pastor Mark Smith was on our Law and Gospel Rumination Tuesday about Thee Will I Love, My Strength, My Tower. Uh, tomorrow on Law and Gospel, we're going to be looking at a text and showing you some insights from a Law and Gospel point of view. Please join with us God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.